episode two of the Gear Talk podcast. Um, I have a few talking points for this one, but uh, you just got back from a big, long cross-country uh, road trip. Yes, I drove all the way down to Tennessee and went to an uh, off-road park called Windrock, and uh, then we shot up to New York and saw Niagara Falls and went to Corning Museum of Glass and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we, we did some, some traveling, about 800 gallons of fuel or something, all said and done, maybe a little more. What was your average fuel economy in the Kodiak? Oh, let's see. Uh, I think it was 9.2 calculated out. Yeah. So that's pretty good for... For double towing. For, yeah, doubling, yeah, dragging. Yeah. Not over 26,000. No. Definitely below that standard. Yeah, yeah. Actually, with fuel... Probably am just a touch below that, but it's getting close to that, that kind of weight. Yeah, uh, but it did good. It did good. And you rebuilt your diff before you went in the way? I did. So <clears throat> I had this crazy idea that uh, I'd just check everything out. You know, the truck had, I did change the diff oil in it once after I bought it five years ago or something, but the truck's over 10 years old now, and I'm pretty hard on it. So I thought I'd drain the fluid, maybe pop some stuff off, and uh, expand our parts listing on the S110 for GM. Uh, I believe you were tearing apart the Ford and the the Ford S110 and mm-hmm. the Ram S111. Yeah, it was good timing. It was right when I finished up doing yeah. those videos and got finished filming those, and that was the third in the the, the big three. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to see what was the same. Turns out, besides the differential, not much. No. Um, and, you know, I had a little over a month to go. I thought, yeah, I can do that, and I'll, I'll do a video of the front axle, too, because I want to put the RCV shafts in it and just, you know, go through it. It's old. Uh, I did not change the fluid in that before. Uh, it doesn't have a drain on it. you got to remove the cover, and I just haven't done it. Uh, and I thought, you know, I don't use the four-wheel drive a whole lot, but when I do, it's, it's hard on it. And... Um, Everything's always kind of turning from fluid friction anyway. So it'd be good to get in there, uh, you know, get it fixed up and expand our our parts listings beyond uh, what I already have. I did get another front axle a few years ago, and it's it's pretty well done there. Um, But just to finalize everything, 08 and 09 is kind of some weird stuff. The numbers kind of drop off from the old stuff. Just eyeballing, I did see minor differences in like the brake shield, the dust shields for the brakes. Um, not fitment issues, just uh, trimmed up a little different. Uh, or at least they don't think they're fitment issues. Um, so, you know, I tear the rear axle apart. We do all the, all the comparing on that. I put new bearings in it, set it back up. It did need differential bearings too, uh, differential and pinion bearings. They were getting kind of shot. Um, so I did that. And then we had uh, those guys come for that transmission rebuild. Actually, I think my truck was still apart when we did it. That. Was it was still apart when we did the long-range gear yep. series. Um, so, you know, that was a week that I didn't get anything done. Then I put it back together, and uh, I took kind of took my time doing it to make sure I didn't have to get into it again. Uh, so, you know, another week goes by, and and uh, it's back together and 
before you know it, you know, three weeks have gone by. I'm leaving in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if we can fit another chair in here. I don't think we can. Not quite. Oh, you're okay. <clears throat> well, well, I'll call you. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so we might have a... I really thought that was just Alex yeah. being a fool. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have another speaker on here maybe if he's not on the phone when we get to a good spot. But yeah. Uh, yeah anyway, you know, I started this, this project and uh, I had a little over a month to do it. A few weeks get chopped up. I got two weeks left roughly before I got to start hooking things together. And I thought, you know, I can do the front axle. I got time. Well, I get to look, and, and to spread the differential case, you do have to remove the, the axle housing from the truck because the, the spring is right in the way of where the case spreader has to go. I probably could have finagled it sideways. It may have hit the oil pan. It may not have. Um, and I thought, you know, that's, maybe we're just not going to get into that. I started thinking, you know, it's got factory grease in these hubs. Maybe I should at least do that. So I did take the the hubs off, and uh, bearings look fine, grease look fine. So I just repacked the bearings uh, and threw it back together. Uh, I did actually, I did find a broken drive gear in one of the locking hubs. I think I know when that happened. Uh, <laughs> before I even made my first payment on that thing, I hauled a help somebody haul a sixteen thousand pound air compressor up to Cook City in the fall, you know, after the first snow up there. And, uh, yeah, it, it got a little wild towards the end where, where it had to go. Uh, so that's, I think that's where I broke it, but I happened to have another gear uh, from that other axle I, I got a few years ago, so I swapped that out. Um, you know, just freshened the, the locking hubs up a little bit. Slapped it all back together. I got some nice paint on front rear hubs. They're black. And then the axle flange is in the back. And the lockout hub uh, cap, the body, not the dial, just the body cap is uh, international red. Uh, and actually, it looks kind of snazzy on there, I think. I don't know. Maybe some people think it's tacky. Yeah, we did a, there's a, a reel made of the, the color choice. If you follow us on Instagram, I'm sure you saw that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got that all done and then I ended up having not a bunch of time, but enough time that I could have tore the axle out and put it back in and been fine. But I thought, you know, let's just leave it there. And I ended up getting my trailers in and checking the, you know, I had to check the bearings out and stuff on those. And yeah. The month of June was kind of crazy around here. It was, it was, uh, but yeah, I got out of here on time and I actually got to my destination early. We were going to stop a bunch of places on the way down. And uh, we ended up only stopping a couple of places, really. Uh, one of them was this, uh, it's an indoor and outdoor garden. The indoor was all tropical stuff. They had banana trees growing. And That's cool. I forget the name of the place. It was in Omaha. And they had, yeah, and then hashtag Nomaha. They had a bunch of garden gnomes that I guess a local artist made. And they had little books hmm. for kids. They had to go and find them and check them off. And That's really cool. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Kids had a blast with that. And it was easy in the jungle, and then you go out back. They had a couple areas out back. So one area was uh, a little harder, and then the area in the back was the hardest, and I think we only found one out of, I don't know, 20 or something. <laughs> I think they had 20 in each area. We weren't looking too hard. The kids were pretty tired by the time we got walked all the way to the back, and it was it was hot. 
you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, but I guess it was hard on the kids. We had to take a couple breaks walking back. And miserable place to get in with two trailers, though. I don't know how. Uh, right there, <laughs> there's a park right next to it with uh, a big boy locomotive and then uh, uh, I forget what the other locomotive is. They're right next to the interstate there overlooking it. Um, I don't know how they got They must have just dumped all the equipment off on the interstate to get all that stuff up the hill from the railroad tracks. Because there was no way they were trucking it in the way you get down into where it was. Yeah. Um, that was almost a low-range situation trying to get out of it. But I, I got a little run, and I just held it in second and cooked up. But, oh, man. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And then uh, we kept going, you know, trying to take our time and... It was getting to be too hot and miserable and humid and stuff down there. So the other places I kind of wanted to maybe stop, we just, we didn't. We checked into the campground a couple days early. and It gave us a, you know, a little time. We, uh, this was the first trip with a portable washing machine in the camper. Uh, you know, we did our laundry. I got everything off the trailer that I needed. Um, you know, just kind of got ready for the week of driving around in the middle of nowhere. So that was good we got there a couple of days earlier. It gave me a little extra time. Yeah, it's always nice when you're traveling and you have more time than you initially anticipate yeah. because usually it's far from that. It's never that way, no. Uh, and actually on the on the way back from New York, uh, st- we stopped and saw a guy I used to work with years ago in Indiana. And in previous years when we go there, we either get there in the middle of the night or it takes us two days, but... I don't remember exactly. The timing on both days just doesn't. We still get there in the middle of the night the second day, but we left pretty reasonable in the morning uh, from outside of Buffalo and made it uh, just, well, I guess we made it through, uh, what is that? It's not Cincinnati. I forget what town in Ohio. That Cleveland. Cleveland. Made it through there at 8 o'clock at night or something. Pretty good. That's one of the best times I've gone through Cleveland. Um, just about no traffic. And a couple truck stops down, we we stopped. You know, we could have kept going and still made it that day, but pretty close to midnight. But I thought, nah, just just call it. We were, we've been all, we were so tired from, you know, the week of driving and then the week and a half of driving around and doing all kinds of other stuff and fishing. And Well, I was tired. Kids probably weren't tired from fishing, but... They're so young, I spent all my time walking back and forth putting fresh worms on their hooks. <laughs> so I didn't catch many. They had a blast. Um, but, yeah, overall for timing, worked out pretty good. When we first got to New York, I thought I was only going to be there really a few days before I come back. And my wife says, you know, well, we've been, we drove a week to get here. We drove a week there, or, you know, down in Tennessee. And... <clears throat> You know, if we're just here for a couple of days, we're going to be driving for another week. And I thought, you know, you're right. So we took an extra week there um, outside of Buffalo there. and It worked out. I just spent a little bit longer, but uh, my dogs were kind of floating around between different people's houses here. And I figured it was it was about time. Kids, they, they were ready to come home. They were glad to get home. Um, my mechanical repairs, flawless. Rocks are made it. Rocks are made it. Unharmed for the most part. For the most part. There's some new scratches and dents. 
Uh, one of the plastic fender flares just broke off a little bit more. There was a, a V notch. I think I got it on the GoPro footage. I'll have to look. Um, that thing was just narrow enough. I, I could either kind of straddle the V notch, but if I fell in, well, if I fell in the wrong way, it was going to be a bad day. Uh, my cousin, his Jeep, he was straddling it and it fell in the wrong way. And that took a while to get out. Uh, and I, you know, there, there was the high side, but I could slide down and slam in or slide a little bit and tip in. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to, just going to ride it all the way through. There was a couple of newer Jeeps from relatives that, that went up and they were wider and they just perfect went up through. Uh, me, I, it pretty much tipped on its side and I just drove on its side. <laughs> drove out of it. I, I went in with the lockers disengaged. I didn't get very far and I look out and both tires are just spinning and so I lock them, keep going, look out again. Yeah, they weren't touching. Yeah, so uh, got some scratches and dents from that. My parking brake cables, I had to redo them, take them apart. Uh, yeah, they were they were pretty well seized up, all the mud and stuff. I, I sunk it pretty good. Um, those, the starter, same thing. Uh, had to take that apart. It's, I got to put it back in, but I just finished putting it back together right before I came in here. Um, yeah, there was all kinds of mud. There was Indiana mud from two years ago in there. Oh, man. And down in the bottom, and then there was the, the little bit thinner and oranger almost uh, Tennessee stuff above that. So I figure if I got to take it apart every couple of years, it's not such a bad thing. Yeah. Not the end of the world by any means. No. And the trans transmission took on some water. I did find out today it wasn't through the vent that I modified to uh, raise up higher. Uh, it was coming in around the, the uh, tower boot. Mm. There's a little groove in the boot for a zip tie. doesn't have a zip tie. That mm. new one we got on the bench, that also doesn't have a zip tie. Oh, weird. Yeah. But anyway, I found where that leak came from, so I'll, uh, I'll address that. But I had an extra... Three quarts of fluid in there. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't oil, um, but I let it drain a couple days and tried to flush it a little bit. It's kind of hard to just the way it's set up, but I put fresh oil in it this morning. I'll drive it to town and back and drain it, fill it again. It should be about as good as it's ever going to get unless I tear it apart. Uh, but yeah, not not really any mechanical failures other than just the the filth getting yeah. into stuff. Filth and just probably normal maintenance. Uh, or when you get home, yeah, check your fluids. Yeah, and check the fluids. See how things are looking. And yep. Actually, while I was gone, I was uh, I was in New York, and we got a call from a guy. Um, I ended up getting his number and talking to him while I was out there. He was from, uh, I think, Missouri, and he flat-toed his uh, rock store up by Helena. Well, the front output shaft sheared off there was water in this transfer case dragging it all that way and oh man yeah that's on my list of stuff to do i'm gonna reman that one i think and you know if, if everything else is good besides the input shaft i got one of them sitting around here somewhere or the front output shaft um but yeah it was kind of kind of weird he had water problems unfortunately he broke we got him fixed up we got him a new transfer case and i had water problems it's a good thing I didn't drive the Rockstars an hour to Niagara Falls because well, I either would have 
done something bad to the transmission or or it would have cooked the water out but yeah. who knows um so yeah boxers are fun to take in the water i guess that's what you get from that you going to go into a little bit about your rocks here and yeah what you've done and why you've done what you've done uh, you know i got a write-up i put it on our website but it, i think i don't think i made the page visible yet but it's i mean i spent a few hours writing that but uh yeah so you take a bone stock rock store um it's like the old jeeps you know it's all it's up from there even the new jeeps i guess you, know, you buy a sixty thousand dollar jeep and it's five thousand dollar suspension bigger tires yada 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 um but yeah i started the you know the first off-road thing we did was at night and it was raining i got a harbor freight tarp to go over the top and that kept most of the water out and then me and the wife got we stopped at shields on the way out and got the fancy rain suits that they have and you know i still use that stuff in the winter and all that but we got it just so we could do that um that was bone stock and it did really well uh some of the places where it flexed out you know I, it was wet and just couldn't get any traction uh, on the rocks was out there he had to winch me up one spot that was kind of a sideways and up and uh, so he got me up out of that and other than that you know i just pedaled to the metal and went through it uh, you know they didn't they don't factory they don't make enough horsepower to break too much unless it slams on something and locks mm -hmm. up what gear sutures come with factory uh that was 373s is what they used to come with now they're 538s which is actually what i went to in 2019 uh 2019 i had to be 2020 um, I probably bought them in 2019, but the thing sat on jack stands in our old location for six or eight months. Axles all tore apart, transfer case out. Um, I was going through bearings to get a good bearing kit for them. Transmission's next. Uh, that's why that one's on the table. But, uh, yeah, anyway, I, it was, came time to move to this place. It was still on jack stands, so I put it back together just enough to get it on, you know, to roll it out. That worked, and actually, I had uh, on the rocks hooked me up with uh, put the set, you know, putting it all together. Uh, I had stuff labeled nice in boxes for them, so they knew what was what. And I didn't. I don't like taking half apart projects to for somebody else to finish, but oh, I yeah. did the best I could. You know, we were moving into here. They at the time they had time to fit me right in. Um. So it got fourth or five thirty eights. I would have went with five thirteens, but. I couldn't find them. I don't think Spicer makes 513s anymore. I could have got Yukon or any other imported uh, gear set, but I didn't want to have to do it again. Yeah. So I went with the, the Spicers. Um, so they put that stuff in. Actually, before that, they did a tune, a stage two tune. They made a nice cap for me. Um, what else did they do? Ring and I think the ring and no, the cap was first, yeah, and the tune. God, it's been so long ago now. Uh, they did a few things for me, and then uh, I get it back and I'm off on vacation for a month, you know, a week later. And then when we did the the move, I took it to them and they did the gear set and uh, a couple other things, and uh, I was. On vacation for a month then 
too. Uh, and we went to Roush Creek in Pennsylvania uh, for those couple of years. Um, yeah, after that, it's been back for, they put a nice roof rack on it. Uh, actually, when I bought it um, from the local dealer here, uh, I had them take it to On the Rocks and they put their bumpers and uh, they put little steps on for me as before I had hip surgery. I had a hard time getting in and out of the thing, so they put a nice little rock rail step on for me. Uh, that worked good. What else did they do? Uh, the tail light armor. God, I don't know. We just about have to do a walk around on that. Yeah, thing. well, you have to do a walk around, but yeah, that's the basis of it. But in our talking points, we're talking about like what was your budget when you bought it, and then what did you budget all of your mods in with your initial price, <laughs> so, or have them kind of planned out? Yeah. So when we decided to buy it, I did want all this extra stuff, but at the time we were getting ready to buy this place. Well, we were, we were shopping, so I needed, you know, I needed extra cash. And I had most of those uh, accessories, you know, the bumpers and stuff looped into the note. And, you know, we didn't really have a budget. We just didn't, we just wanted to watch how much cash we were spending. And with a loan, you know, there's a little bit down and then monthly payments. And that was easy. We could do that, no problem. Um, Long-term budget. I didn't really have one. I mean, as I figured as, as long as the monthly was where I needed it to be, uh, that was fine. Uh, so we did that, got the basic stuff, and then it all went downhill from there. Uh, you know, we saw what it could do with, uh, you know, with what I bought it with. And then, okay, well, we bought the house. Now... We're going to go on vacation. We need this money for vacation, but I got this extra, and I'd really like this stuff. Uh, I don't remember numbers. It, yeah. Um, I just had to do some thinking of just doing a little bit at a time. What was most important? Not necessarily what was cheapest. What was most important? Skid plates and stuff like that, pretty important. Yep. Uh, a cab, that was pretty important. Um, and mine did come with the HVAC in it. So, you know, it's comfort all year round. Um, and then a lot of what I had to think about was, yes, I can get these imported things for fairly cheap, uh, like axle shafts or something. Mm -hmm. um, but do I really want to rely on that? Now, if I was just kind of putting around every now and then on Forest Service roads out here, driving into town, that stuff would probably be fine, but I'm going to use the thing. You know, it doesn't matter if it's an off-road vehicle or if it's a work truck. Are you, you know, how hard are you going to work the thing? Uh, it really kind of dictates what you want to budget for it. Uh, so, say the the front axle shafts instead of just getting the chrome molly ones uh, that on the rock sells that are from Yukon, which I don't know for sure that they're imported. I'd have to talk to them about it, but I know most things from Yukon. Are imported. Um, it was either that, which wasn't too bad, or our CVs, which uh, were quite a bit more. And I thought, well, you know, I don't really want to have to worry about it. So I went the RCV route. I did break an outer shaft, but everything was contained. I could still drive out. I still helped uh, the, a Jeep in front of me blew both diffs. And uh, once they got him out, there was another, there was a Cherokee pulling 
uh, him out, but there were some places they needed some help. So I got in front of him and he either winched or pulled or drug trees out of the way. You know, I still drove out. I drove it around for a little while uh, after that, you know, to town and back. I thought it was one of the mile marker locking hubs because they do break. They're, they're yeah. imported. No, it was uh, uh, just the way that they made the RCV shaft in the 10 spline was that way. Uh, I'm going to get the 27 splines someday, maybe the next time I break one. I don't know. But they're a bigger diameter, so I shouldn't have any issues there. And then it's also where do you want to put your weak point? U joints on like an axle shaft or something are a pretty good weak point. If something's going to fail, you kind of want it to be that because you don't have to get real deep into it to do mm -hmm. it. But um, you know, I've got a bigger turbo and a tune, and I can put a little power down to everything. But the components aren't so dinky that. Things really should break unless I shock load. But then if you shock, anything will break if you shock load it hard. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the mindset, you know. I don't want to take this stuff off again just to change this part because I didn't get the best thing that I could. Um, and, you know, like I said, if you're not really using something, if it's just kind of a weekend vehicle or a couple times a year or you know something that doesn't get driven very hard the quality of the parts doesn't matter so much yeah it's the price versus performance metric yeah. essentially yeah what you're talking about essentially yeah um even the wheel bearings you know the factory wheel bearings they usually last a while but they do not look good after not very many miles you know the the factory bearings in this in the rocks for example are from india um I mean, they work as long as you keep the water and dirt out of them. They go, you know, I won't say they'll last as long as the Timken. I don't know if anybody knows yet. I don't think anybody has 100,000 miles on a factory Roxer yet. Um, but I didn't want to have to worry about them, so I put Timkins in. Um, the seals, actually same with the spindle seals, were... The material was is kind of brittle you could kind of fold it with your fingernail and it would just tear where uh, you know any other seal we got on the shelf here it, they're flex it's rubber it's flexible it's gonna be mm -hmm. um, so I come up with an upgrade for that it took some time but I haven't had any issues and all kinds of people have issues with the factory setup um, so you know I had to I had to I, on that vehicle, I had to identify what could be a weak point. When I bought that, there wasn't enough out out there yet. Factory axle shafts was kind of a thing. Water in the in the wheel bearings was a thing. Uh, at the time, there wasn't much else, so I was going through and just identifying. And actually, the drive shafts I thought were a little kind of rinky dink. Uh, only two inches of travel, I think I I measured. Um, or inch and an eighth, or inch and seven eighths, and two and a quarter, or something like that, for travel for the front and the rear. So I came out with better drive shafts for that, using the same size joint. But uh, I haven't had any drive shaft failures that I've heard about. Versus factory, they do sometimes go to heck. Um, yeah, there's there's not too much else I identified as weak points besides mostly just bearings and you know a couple of the shafts, drive shafts and axle shafts are just a little small for what I thought it should be. Um, but that's that's what we came up with. Yeah, we went into the, made a video on the axle shafts, mm -hmm. put them in the lathe and saw how poor they were actually designed. Yeah, I did. Or, or not designed, but. 
Uh, yeah, they just weren't cast quite right. And then the holes were, the, the yoke forging is heavy on one side and they didn't, it wasn't exactly square where they drilled the holes for the joint caps either. So you get some wobbling. And we've had pretty good success as far as I know with just getting good U-joints in those. Uh, the inner axle shafts will flex enough to take it, but the the factory U-joints are just, you know, somebody melted down a butter bolt and hammered it into a cross and put some caps on it, basically, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, that stuff works real good for India. They're driving, you know, 30 miles an hour everywhere. Most of the places they go, they do have their highways, but, uh, you know, most of it is just kind of putting around and not really hammering on stuff too hard, but what they do hammer on, the, the vehicles over there don't make enough power to exceed the capacities, I guess. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's been an interesting journey trying to bulletproof a vehicle, an imported vehicle at that, I guess. Yeah, that is kind of a Jeep, but not really a Jeep. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's very, very similar to, you know, Willie's all the way up to, you know, CJ era. Uh, after you get over, you know, beyond that, there's, you know, that's all different for Jeep. But, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of similarities. So it was actually pretty easy for us to come up with these replacement parts. Uh, you know, the, none of us direct cross. You got some years over here for this part and some years over here for this part, but they're on the same part or the same piece in the in the rock store. And uh, it just takes time, you know, to identify stuff. But that's like anything. Uh, even the new stuff we take apart takes time to find out what it is and if it's bad, you know, if that replaceable piece is backwards compatible or forwards compatible or, or anything like that. Um, it keeps us pretty busy. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a long list of yes. things to do. And, and it's getting longer every day. Yeah, it is. Um, let me move this. Right. Take, take a break. <laughs> no. Can you see that? Yeah, I can see it. Okay. I can't see it. All right. And we're back. So we're back. Uh, <laughs> so you went through some of your mods, kind of your budget in mind, and kind of how you built your budget based upon you wanted some of the highest performing parts so that you could use it as much as possible. Yes. That's what would seem to be really important. Um, was that your biggest goal? Uh, the biggest goal was I wanted to go anywhere I wanted to go. Um, you know, climbing up rock walls and stuff. I've done some, but not like buggies go up, you know. I wanted to be able to do some of that if I want to go up this road I, or, you know, trailer or whatever. I want to, I want to do it. I don't want to have to worry about breaking down. Um, so the goal was be able to drive it home every day uh, as long as I don't get too ridiculous with whatever I'm driving through. Um, and also if something does break, you know, it's not going to take out other parts. Like say the drive shaft, if I lost the drive shaft, what else is it going to take out when it mm -hmm. goes around? So, um, you know, caging those may be on the list, but I, you know, we'll just see um, more, more preventative stuff, I guess, just the better bearings. Uh, better seals, you know, just, just the better parts. So I don't have to worry about it, but if something does break, like say 
It doesn't work good for the Mahindra example. I guess it does for, say, just the regular chromoly shafts from Yukon or something, or, well, from on, that On the Rocks has made, um, from, I think Yukon made them. Um, if a joint breaks in those, it probably won't mess with the forgings too much. Yeah. The factory shafts, once, once that joint goes, you probably lost both inner and outer shaft. Break right off and bend. Um, so there, you know, there are some in between steps. You can upgrade and not get, you know, the highest tier stuff, um, but it won't necessarily, you know, something around it fails. It won't cannonball everything else around it. Um, it, it, you know, it's different with every little component on a vehicle, but uh, the goal should be, you don't want to have to do it again. Yeah. So you kind of build it to what you think you're going to use it for and go from there. Um, there's been a lot of other projects I've had. I kind of build something up, but then I ended up using it a little bit differently, so I redo stuff. And anymore, I just go full tilt. You know, if I think I might do something, even if I haven't done it before, I haven't done it forever, I'm just going to build it so I can do that. Um, you know, it's not in everybody's budget, but it is something that everybody should think about. Yeah. And I think that should also play a role in the vehicle buying process. It should. Um, like the, the specific use of your vehicle, not just your daydream use of like, I'm going to drive to the top of a mountain, but like it's everyday use. Mm-hmm. Like obviously your Roxer's everyday use, 90% of the time is off-road. Mm-hmm. It's not really street driven. Hardly at all. You drop your kids off once in a while. Yeah, or I'll drive it to town to get, you know, pick something up or drop something off. Um, I would drive it more, but uh, I don't know why I don't. I, I just got so much and so many vehicles in my fleet. I got to drive. You know, I got to keep them rotated. But uh, yeah, you should definitely think about what what you're going to be using the vehicle for. Say a work truck, for example. You know, a farmer, rancher, or even a contractor, or whatever, they need a new truck. You know, well, what are they going to do with it? Are they are they just driving back and forth to the job site? Are they just driving around a field? You know, rolling off a bale of hay, or you know, what are they what are they doing? Um, you know, the farmer, rancher kind of guy, he might get some other piece of equipment stuck way out in the middle of nowhere and have to haul it out, and he's going to be putting some pressure on that vehicle. Uh, and say the contractor, well, he's just putting toolbox in it and stuff. Well, what happens if, uh, you know, they got to haul a big air compressor somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. um, up a mountain? Um, I think it's extra important to take even better care of your vehicle and have parts that are going to last because a day without a truck will cost you money. It, it costs a lot of money, and usually it's never just a day that you're without a truck. Yeah. Um, if you're lucky, it's just a day, but... When your livelihood depends on it, it's extra important. Yes, it is. Uh, sometimes it does hurt to do it right the first time, but if you don't have to do it again, how much money did that save you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do it cheap the first time, and you can do it twice or three times. You can do or it you more can, than that. Yeah, or you can end up doing it right the first time and never be back into that particular part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as an example, I got some name brand ball joints. Uh, it was when I was down in California. Uh, they were, I want to say the 
M name, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were pretty reputable, made in USA. Nowadays, there's plenty of stuff online you can find where they're not as good as what they used to be. But this was almost 15 years ago. Yeah, well, ten to somewhere between ten and fifteen years ago, when they were still supposed to be a decent thing, I got fifteen thousand miles out of a set of ball joints. But I replaced the factory set; it was a hundred and twenty something miles on them. Yeah. So you know, I was kind of in a. I wasn't really in a pinch down there. They, you know, they wasn't falling apart, but my tires were starting to tuck a little bit. Um, so I just did it with what I had easily available and it was cheap I didn't have a lot of extra money at the time so it worked out you know um, but then I had to do them again and I did not put the same product back in I put the OE parts back in it and uh, you know, I just grabbed them off the shelf and and put them in but uh, it's been well I got over 200,000 miles on the vehicle so around 125 Plus 15, and then from there to, uh, was it 140? Yeah, um, to over 200,000. You know, there's over 60,000 on the ball joints, factory ball joints again now. I haven't had to worry about them. Um, luckily, I don't use my vehicle for work, and I've always kind of lived at work uh, in one shape or form, or at least in walking distance. So a vehicle down for me hasn't really been an issue um, as far as you know, needing it to get to work or to work with, you know, if it's a construction crew or something that has mm-hmm. a vehicle. Um, but you got to think about that. You know, it's a kind of a pay now or pay later kind of thing, or, you know, it ends up being, what it ends up being is the worse you need it, the worse you get it or something like that is what they say. But uh, uh, it is definitely cheaper to spend the extra money to get something quality and do the job once, then have to rinky-dink around for as long as you want to rinky-dink around with. That's probably why half the old vehicles get sold, mm-hmm. you know, why people sell them. Oh, this thing's a piece of junk. This stuff keeps breaking. Well, where are you shopping, you know, is the first question. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I figure if, uh, you know, we've got warranties on stuff here, but I, I figure if people are really pushing the warranties, you got to question why. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't worry. When it does break within the warranty period, we got you. No, I, I just want it to work. I don't want to do the same job 15 times. No, no. You get good at doing it, but it does get kind of tiring. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely need to think about what you want to do with the vehicle, how, how much you want to work on it. Um, and then, you know, there is the examples like, you know, race guys, they will put a weak link in somewhere, like a U-joint or something will be a little yeah. undersized. Or hubs. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you're doing some crazy stuff and you want a weak link so that some of your other real fancy billet, custom, whatever parts don't break, yeah, by all means, put a weak link in there. Um, it's, it is okay to cheap out on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is okay, you know, if you're not really using the vehicle, you know, maybe you don't have to spend the that extra few dollars. Uh, but you got to think about it. if you are going to be using that vehicle, you probably want to use it when you want to use it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of old trucks sitting in fields that 
or on their fifth or sixth set of ball joints or mm-hmm. had you joints go bad over and over again and they're like, I'm done with it. Yeah. Had, had enough or won't stop leaking oil because it got cheapo Something, seals yeah. or... There's been plenty of uh, axles and stuff we take apart. They got like brand new brakes and brand new bearings and stuff in them, fresh grease. You know, why the heck did they junk the truck? Maybe, you know, it obviously some other failure, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, once you go all the way, if you can do it, once you go all the way through a vehicle, it's going to last you, you know, however many years old that vehicle is, it's going to last you that long. Yeah. So if you do it right. Yeah, it, it falls down, and everybody's budget's different. That's kind of where it falls into is, is uh, you know, people don't always have the money for the, the good stuff, which, I mean, that's fine. Um, a lot of it, though, unfortunately, is people aren't aware of there is a quality difference in these things. Um, what? What? I'm in the box. We're doing a video. What do you want? I'll be out in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> We're back from our break now. <laughs> unfortunately, most of it isn't whether or not people can afford the highest quality stuff or even mid-tier. You know, there's all kinds of tiers of different things. It's the education. They see, uh, say this cup. It's a dollar at the dollar store. Or the same cup is $25 at Walmart or something. Cup's probably not the best example. But say the dollar store one, it's not really going to, you know, you can't do that and not spill your drink. Whereas the Walmart one, you can. But it's a cup, and it's $1 or $25. That's the same with, you know, bearings. You can get a $10 bearing from, a, you know, a chain store. Or, you know, that same bearing might be $30, $35 from us or something. And it's the same fitment application, but it's not the same bearing. Uh, and there's just an education gap, I think, uh, that is just as much or as maybe even a little more of an issue than uh, someone's financial standing yeah i'd say education definitely plays a really big role in that i've seen it a lot working in shops and stuff because i worked in shops where it was both sides of the coin where one was like we do everything right the first time if you don't like it you can do it yourself Mm -hmm. and but we stand behind what we do because we stand by the parts that we install yep and the other guy was like yeah i'll cut you a deal Mm -hmm. yeah they're cutting a deal all right yeah they're cutting you a deal until you got to do it Again, yeah, and like say in uh, say in our market, MV forty five hundred, you know, reman MV forty five hundred transmissions. There's a lot of places doing it. Some places are more than other places. Uh, you gotta wonder why. And there's if you look on say eBay, there's tons of MV forty five hundred rebuild kits. A lot of them are really cheap. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, say our MV, you know, the master kit that's got everything is, it's around $1,000 or something now versus, you know, 
you wouldn't get everything with an eBay kit because they don't have none of them have everything. Even bits and pieces, nobody's got everything on eBay. Um, you know, you might hit five hundred. You might you're probably around three fifty for yeah a rebuild kit. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not the same thing. And you know, our salesman Chris, uh, before he started working here. He has lived this one out. Yes, he has. He didn't have second gear for a year uh, on a on an eBay parts rebuild, and yeah, there was some other problems he ended up finding in it. And And then when you do that, other things fail as well. Yes. So bearing eats up and then or destroys itself, nukes your whole trans. You ruin Mm -hmm. a main shaft. You ruin so many other parts that were good quality OEM parts and you end up diving so much deeper and probably buying the same kit and more cheap parts mm-hmm. and it just continues down this line until it's, you get rid of it. It's into the abyss. Yep. Yeah. It's gone um, away forever from that point it seems. Yeah. And then you know whereas you buy you know not necessarily from us from anybody a, a top tier whatever you're getting suspension uh, you know transmission stuff engine stuff uh, when you get the top tier, that's stuff you can count on. You don't have to worry about, you know, something. The people who make the top tier always stand behind their products. They too. do. Yeah, they do. Um, but they don't, I mean, they do stand behind it, but they don't, a lot of them, well, some of them do flaunt it, you know, as, as far as a marketing perspective. Um, but a lot, a lot of them are just, you know, kind of humble. You know, we got this, you won't have a problem with it. Yeah. Kind of we, thing. We know it's not going to break, mm-hmm. and we don't need to advertise that because the people who know know. We yeah. have a good enough market. Yeah. Word of mouth is going to be much better than somebody on the other end of the phone or the other end of a TV or whatever. Yeah. Get this stuff. Well, okay. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that all those commercials are wrong, but uh, word of mouth is definitely going to sell, you know, have a company sell more parts than any kind of advertising they can mm-hmm. Even podcasts. Even podcasts. <laughs> but you have to buy our parts here anyway. Yeah. If you buy our, if you buy our parts, we can continue to do this podcast. Yeah. Um, so we've gone through pretty much everything on our talking points. Uh, we have one talking point left, tire size. <clears throat> so tire size, it does play a lot into wear and tear on a vehicle. Uh, bigger tires are going to float a little more, you know, you may or may not get some more ball joint wear or kingpin wear or whatever uh, the case may be. If you're pulling heavy with big tires, uh, it's going to be a little more wear and tear on well, everything. Everything in the everything. drivetrain. Uh, you can re-gear to get your RPMs back, but you still got the leverage of a big tire. That's why a lot of the um, Class 8 trucks, just the general run-of-the-mill cheaper trucks, uh, have the smaller tires is not as much wear and tear on everything. Once you get into the big heavy haul trucks, you know, they got bigger tires. Of course, they got a lot bigger stuff inside mm-hmm. of them, too, uh, to support that. But it goes all the way down to a regular vehicle. You know, it's just leverage. Um, you know, with the rocks or use that for an example again, um, people have tie rod issues with 37-inch and taller tires. Uh, I'm at 35. I haven't had any issues yet. Maybe one or two guys just rock bouncing have had tie rod issues. Uh, but, you know, there's there's just a single example 
uh, of a component failure once you get so big on your tire size. Yeah, it plays a big role in braking, acceleration, and unsprung weight in general just plays a huge role in the way that your vehicle feels and handles. It does, it does. But picking tire size is a really crucial part, I think, especially if you're going off-road. Like, mm -hmm. It is. You know, even on-road, say my 5500, if I put bigger tires on that with the factory leaf springs, it'd ride a lot better. Uh, but I lose, you know, I'd have to re-gear everything because I don't want to lose my RPM. And that thing's built enough that bigger tire size, if I got back into the RPM range I wanted, all the components for that vehicle are built enough for what I want to do. If I want to hook up to a bull wagon or something and move cows back and forth, that's not going to be enough truck. Um, bigger tires are not. But for what I'm using it for, if I did go bigger tires, it'd be fine. And that is the case for a lot of people, and that's not the case for a lot of other people. Um, you know, they do want a better ride, and so they'll go a little bigger. Maybe they want the look. I don't know. A lot of people want the look of the tires and wheels. And, I mean, some of those, some of those wheels are rated for, like, 2,200 pounds or something, and then they're hooking a big trailer onto the back. Yeah, there's that's an, wheels are a whole other topic. They, yeah, they are, and they're not even our... That's not even something we you know, specialize in, but I, no. I, I'm a big fan of factory wheels because factory wheels are overbuilt for that chassis because mm -hmm. the OEM manufacturers, that's such a crucial part. OEM manufacturers want nothing to do with that. Yep. That's so their wheels big, have yeah. to be strong. Yes, they do. And the tires, too. they got to be rated for whatever's on the door sticker. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that is something people change, and they don't always look at that. You know, yep. There's people running around in you know, trucks like my 5500, with different wheel, you know, different wheels to put passenger tires on them because they ride better than the 19.5s or the 21.5s, 22.5s, you know, all the, the half sizes of tires. They do ride better. But what's the weight capacity? You know, most of them, they're just show trucks or whatever. They're not doing much with them. That's, you know, that's fine. That's, that's perfect. Uh, but the guys that are doing stuff with them, they probably, they might not have even thought of a weight rating. Oh, they look good, and it rides nice. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a friend buy a set of 22s. They were a decent brand wheel. I don't remember what exactly they were. Some big chromes, but they were 8 by 170 and he was putting them on a power stroke and took them into the tire shop with a set of Pirellis he had bought used. The guy at the tire shop goes, it's for a truck, aren't they? He goes, yeah. And he goes, not a chance. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I was like, that's respectable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would have been an accident waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. And he had a 40-foot gooseneck detail with that truck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Pirelli tires are car tires. A lot of tires are car tires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they came factory on a half-ton truck, they're car tires. You know, they're getting bigger and bigger wheel diameter now, but they're still car tires. Um, so... Unfortunately, that's just, uh, you know, sometimes you got to go with the rougher ride or something like that. Or, yeah. You know, you there, are, there are limitations to, to the niceties that you could have. Mm-hmm, definitely. And there's a sacrifice with every, every vehicle you're going to pick. Mm-hmm. you got to choose what's most important to you and what its actual use is going to be. Mm-hmm. If you're pulling a lot, you know, you want to get something that's pretty heavy-duty from the factory. Um 
there's only so much you can upgrade, you know, like in a pickup or something. That you could put different axle housings in it from something bigger, but it's if you're using it for you know, intense, like towing all the time and stuff, you run out of chassis at a point. You do, you do. You're almost better off with something medium duty. Mm-hmm. You know, jumping, jumping that, uh, or four fifty, five fifty, forty five hundred, fifty five hundred range, which I before is borderline medium duty. Really got into this stuff. I always thought like. There wasn't that big of a difference between F three fifties, four fifties, and five fifties. Mm-hmm. After seeing the axles, there's a massive difference. There is, yes. Like the biggest axle the one tons get is like eleven and three quarter, mm-hmm. and then the ones for the S one ten, S one eleven, all those four fifty, five fifty axles are like a thirteen and a half. Mm-hmm. And they're massive. They are. The pinions are so much bigger. Everything about those differentials is made it it's like 50 percent bigger or yeah. beefier in some shape or form yeah big time and the front axles are also completely different they are they're huge mm-hmm. they're way overbuilt for that truck because they know it's going to get put in a commercial application with way too much weight on it yep yep well way too much weight for a one ton. well yes 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 um yeah that just comes back to you gotta you gotta know what you're gonna do with the truck yeah, some of that stuff might cost more. If you don't have that vehicle already, it might cost more to get into it. You're not going to have as much downtime because you're not going to be breaking axle housings and, you know, shedding your transmissions. And there's, yeah. You know, the list just goes on. And those trucks typically come with a lot lower gears, but because they have such a big ring gear, you don't lose any strength. No, you having don't. a much higher... You don't, no. And a lot of them, you know, most of them come detuned, too, and that's by design. Yes, you can put them back to what a factory pickup is or higher, but there's a reason why they detune them. It's not to slow you down. It's so that they don't have as many warranties because they know if it's loaded up at what they say it's going to be loaded up as, and then it's drugged through a construction site that's, you know, half mud and half rock and all this, they don't want to have to worry about a truck breaking on Mm -hmm. one of their customers. Well, Jesse, we're almost at an hour in. I think that'll probably work. I think we lost both of these cameras here. But uh, we got that one rolling. Mics are still on and working. Uh, So I guess we'll call it on this Gear Talk podcast, Mm -hmm. episode number two. Um, And we'll catch you guys in the next one.